Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme, living with the presence of God in my life. It's amazing the number of people in our world that have little regard for spiritual things. There are a lot of people that in times of despair, in times of crisis, will reach out to God. And I think that those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we understand the great blessings that come to us by knowing that God is daily with us and that in the good times and the bad times, He is there. And in times of duress, by all means, we have the right to reach out to God and to ask for His care and favor. The psalmist in the long ago said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 7, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. And so we have the opportunity to look to God, yes, in times that are not so pleasant. But what I want to encourage us to do is live with the presence of God every day in life. And so I want us to look at verses 13 through 15 in the fourth chapter of James. The first thing that I would call your attention to, the danger of living without the presence of God in life. As we think about the danger of living without the presence of God in life, what comes to my mind are the proud who will oftentimes boast about life and what they're going to do. And really, if you look at verse 13, that's that's the picture that is painted for us by James in the long ago. Listen to what he said. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. And so James here talks about the individual who is making plans. And there's nothing wrong with making plans in life. As a matter of fact, I think we ought to be the kind of people who make plans. When when we talk about living in this world and some of the things that go on in life, it only stands to reason that we would make careful plans from time to time. I think about young people who are going to school and I think it's very good when a young person can sit down and map out his or her future. They have a plan and they they know how they're going to execute that plan. Well, what James is talking about is somebody who is making plans, but sadly, it appears to me they have left God out of their plans. Somewhat reminiscent of what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 12 when Jesus set forth the parable of the rich farmer. You remember in reading that parable, 
This man's barns were literally overflowing. Life was good. Business was booming. And so his attitude was, I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater. And then I'll have a place to store my crops and goods. The only problem was he forgot about God in his life. And so he was making plans, and people in the business world, they make plans every day. People in the educational realm, they too make plans. But here was a man that made plans, but he just forgot to include God in his plans. So we talk about their plans, but now I want you to consider with me, if you would, their problem. When we think about the problem, what comes to my mind, the uncertainties of life. Listen again to what James says in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. I want to ask you a question. Can you unequivocally say you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow? Can you unequivocally say there will be a tomorrow? We can't say that, can we? We believe there will be a tomorrow. We have faith that certain things may transpire tomorrow or next week or next month. But when it's all said and done, we cannot say unequivocally that the sun will rise tomorrow. We just don't know that. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 27 at verse 1 said, Who knows what a day may bring forth? And I think all he was saying is, we just don't know what will happen tomorrow. When we think about the uncertainties of life and how life can literally turn on a dime, I'm reminded of Job in Job chapter 3 verse 25. You remember Job had some catastrophic events take place in his life. He lost his children, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. His own wife encouraged him to curse God and die. And so in chapter three, he said in the long ago, that which I feared the most has happened to me. And that which I dreaded has come upon me. Job had probably thought about the good times and the possible bad times of life. I think as parents, and as we grow older in life, sometimes we play out certain scenarios in life and we think, what if? Or what if this were to transpire, or that were to happen? And maybe that's what Job had done in the long ago. What if? Well, the what if happened. And so as we think about the uncertainties of life, you know, it was about three to four years ago that a tornado came through DeSoto County. And we were displaced from this auditorium for about six months. I remember that day very well. Braden and I had gone to the FedEx golf tournament. It was a beautiful day, just like it is right now. We had been to the tournament, and I noticed that they were taking down some of the tents and putting away chairs Clouds began moving in. The wind picked up. And as we were driving home, it looked like it was going to storm. By the time we got to DeSoto County, it was raining. We got home, 
I took a nap. My phone rang. Brother Tim called and said, we've been hit by a tornado. Life can change on a dime. When we talk about the uncertainties of life, let me just cite for you three things that can occur. Number one, sickness. In John the 11th chapter, we read about Lazarus, and Lazarus was from a town called Bethany. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and the Bible says in chapter 11 at verse 1 that Lazarus was sick. Sickness occurs every day on planet Earth. There are people in our world today, they will go to a physician's office this week and they will be diagnosed with an illness, some type of sickness, or even disease. That's the world in which we live, the uncertainties of life. And then also I think about death. If you look at John chapter 11, Jesus, of course, engages in an extended conversation with his disciples. Word reaches him that Lazarus is sick. In verse 14, Jesus tells the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. What about Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20? The Bible tells us that Hezekiah was sick and near death. Isaiah was encouraged to go to him and to tell him to set his house in order because he said, you're gonna die and not live. And so that's how quickly life can change. There is a third uncertainty that I would call attention to, and that is the Lord may come. Now in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We have no idea when the Lord will come. But think about this. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes, is it not the case that people will be going about their daily business? If he were to come in the morning, if he were to come early in the morning, I suspect that there will be people who are awake, readying themselves for work. Some may be getting ready to go to school. Others may have some other type of plans for the day. But Jesus could come at any time. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus compares his coming to the people who lived in the days of Noah. And he said, in those days, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. He said, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And what he's saying there is, look, people were going about life. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They were going about their, their normal duties in life. The uncertainties of life is what we're talking about. And we talk about the danger of living without the presence of God in life. What if we fail to make preparation to meet Almighty God? What if sickness were to lead to death and we're outside of Christ or we're unfaithful? What if the Lord were to return and we are found unfaithful or having never obeyed the gospel. That's why it's imperative to live with the presence of God in this life. Now I want to call your attention in the second place to the delight of living with the presence of God in life. And the first thing I want to call your attention to 
the profound brevity of life. Listen now to what James says in verse 14. Of course, he's just said, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. And then he raises this question, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. At best, life on planet Earth is extremely brief. Now, we are conditioned to think about people who live to be 70, 80, 90. Sometimes individuals will reach 100. Some will even surpass 100. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at life in comparison to eternity, what's 100 years? What's 50 years? One of the best ways that I know to illustrate understanding the brevity of life in comparison to eternity. Many years ago, I remember sitting in a, I guess it was a coffee room at St. Jude Hospital. And I was talking to a mother and she had an infant son and that child had some form of cancer or leukemia and I later ended up conducting his funeral service. But he was probably two at the time, no more than three. And I remember we were talking about this little fella and about the problems that he was facing and she said, you know, St. Jude Hospital has already spent $2 million on my baby. And she said, we haven't paid a dime. That says a lot about St. Jude Hospital. But she said to me, I would rather Zach go now than live to be 50 and lose his soul. That said to me, she understood the brevity of life and the importance of living with the presence of God in life. You see, we are literally here today and gone tomorrow. Generations come and generations go. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms go. Nations rise, nations fall. The world may continue to go a million years from now. But you and I, we can be certain of one thing. People will live and they will die. The psalmist in Psalm 90 said, the days of our years may be threescore and 10. You may reach the age of 70. He said, if by reason of strength, you may even hit 80, fourscore years. But it's soon cut off and then we fly away. That's how fast life gets away. The older I get, the more in tune I become or rather, the more in tune I am to the brevity of life. I promise you, it just seems like yesterday when Nancy and I got married, and I was in my 20s. Just seemed like yesterday when Braden was a baby. Life will get away from you so quickly. David in the long ago said, I was young, and now I'm old. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. James said, it's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. So here's the question. How then should we behave in life? Well, listen to what James said. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, 
We shall live and do this or that. And I don't think that this is some trite saying here. And sometimes individuals will talk about if the Lord wills, we'll do this and that. And I think what they're saying is if it is the will of Almighty God. And I think that we live with the presence of God in life and we understand that ultimately God is the governor of this universe. He is the one in control. And so, my recommendation is, in light of the providential goodness of God and the brevity of life, why not use our time here wisely? That's, what's, that's what the psalmist said in Psalm 90 at verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Paul would say in Ephesians 5 at about verse 16 that we are to redeem the time making wise usage of the time that God has blessed us with here on earth. Let me just call attention to some of the opportunities and privileges that we have, some of the privileges and opportunities that I believe that we have are we can grow spiritually and we can use our lives as a blessing to others. Let me just cite for you some things that I believe we could, we could do to make our lives more meaningful and to make others in this world to make their lives richer. Number one, I would encourage all of us in light of the brevity of life and in light of the fact that God is in control of the universe and that we're striving to live with the presence of God in life, I would encourage us to spend some time every day meditating on the vast greatness of Almighty God. Some, sometimes we, we think about God. And, and of course, we, we talk about God being omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He's ever-present. But when you begin to read the Scriptures, don't you just stand in awe of all that God is. In Psalm 8, I think Psalm 8 is a tremendous psalm. The psalmist in the long ago talks about the handiwork of Almighty God. He said, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? or the son of man that you visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You just pause and think about Almighty God in his great wisdom creating a universe like this and blessing us with the opportunity to live in this grand world. And then to think that as the psalmist said, he has put all things under our feet. He has given us so many blessings in this life. There are a lot of great passages of Scripture that talk about the greatness of God and the goodness of God, and I would encourage us on a daily basis, seek out those passages that talk about the power of God and the goodness of God and the graciousness of God and think about them, reflect on them, 
I can promise you one thing, it's very humbling. I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Romans chapter 11 when he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways and his judgments past tracing out. And then a second thing I would encourage us to learn something new from the word of God every day. Now I understand that there are basic truths that, that we know and we appreciate and I'm grateful for those basic truths. But the beauty of this book is there's something new you can learn every day. I promise you, if you'll spend enough time in this book, you'll learn something new every day. One of the things that I do on a regular basis, as a matter of fact, I do it every month. I read through the book of Proverbs. And as I read through the book of Proverbs, it's amazing to me, after you've been doing it a while, the number of things you continue to see that you've missed. There are so many things that we can learn by just picking up this word and reading it. We talk about living for God and understanding that God is in control and wanting to live a life in submission to him. Let me tell you what, when you begin reflecting on the awesome power of God, on his goodness and his graciousness, when you begin delving into this book, you will come away with greater appreciation for the Lord and his word. I can see why the psalmist meditated on this book day and night, according to Psalm 1-2. I can understand why the psalmist in Psalm 119 said, oh, how I love your law, it's my meditation all the day. Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All we're doing is exercising the privileges and the opportunities that God has given us each day here on planet Earth. Another thing that we can do that will enhance our spiritual growth, pray. Pray regularly. Pray daily. You and I, we have the opportunity to pray about our own needs and wants, struggles, temptations, difficulties, but we can also pray for one another. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing. It should not be lost on us that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, spent a great deal of time in prayer to the Heavenly Father. If Jesus understood the importance of prayer, what does that say to us? In Mark chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus arose early in the morning and went out, to, went out into a solitary place and there prayed. In Luke chapter six, before selecting the apostles, do you know what Jesus did? He spent the night in prayer to God. You wanna talk about growing spiritually? Pray. These are blessings that we have. We talk about living with the presence of God in my life. What's gonna enhance the presence of God in my life. Well, communing with him through his word, spending time in prayer. And then I would suggest that we avail ourselves of the opportunity of worship. To come together on the first day of the week or in midweek and to recharge our batteries, to bow in the presence of God, to give him the glory and the honor that he's due. God is worthy of our worship. That's a great blessing that we have. We live in a country that affords us the opportunity to meet 
regularly without any kind of worries. We don't have to worry about being persecuted. Now the day may come when we do. But look back at those first century saints. Some of those people literally had to go underground because of the raging persecution that they faced. And so you and I, we have the opportunity to be together. They had the opportunity to be together. And sometimes they had to literally hide from their persecutors. But they wanted to be together. Another thing I would suggest, be a burden bearer. There are a lot of people in our world, there are a lot of people in the Lord's church, they have problems. There, there are people that have what I would say what I would consider to be complex problems. The Bible says that we are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, according to Romans chapter 12. Paul would say in Galatians 6 at verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Was Jesus not a burden bearer? Look at his ministry. Look at, look at the numerous people that he came into contact with on a regular basis. And note, if you would, how he helped them physically, mentally, and most of all, spiritually. He was a burden bearer. We talk about the opportunities and the blessings and the privileges that we have in this life and making the most of life. I promise you, you can be a blessing in the life of somebody if you'll only take the time to do so. And then I guess allied to that, alleviating the needs of others. There are a lot of people in our world today, they don't have what we have. There are people in this community, there are people all across this world that are far less privileged than, than we. Paul would say, let us as we have opportunity do good unto all men and especially those who are of the household of faith. Did you know that you and I, we have the opportunity to help other people, physically help other people? I'm grateful for the benevolent work of this church and for the countless numbers of people that this congregation has helped on a regular basis. It's amazing the number of people that have been helped by this congregation. And collectively we do that, but individually we can do that as well. And then I would also suggest that we can evangelize. We talk about making the most of every day. You remember what James said? Listen again, verse 14. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. Think about that friend or coworker, family member, classmate that you know is not right with God. What if sickness or death were to come? What if the Lord were to come? Where would they be? You remember what Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age to know that we have the opportunity to share the gospel with other people. The church is a great institution. It's a blessing to be a member of the church. It's a tremendous blessing for us 
to have in our hands a copy of the Bible and to know that we can tell other people about Christ and his saving work. And so I would encourage us, live with the presence of God. There are a lot of people in our world today, they want to live, well, they want to live how they want to live. And they don't want anybody telling them how to live or what to do or where to go, etc. But then when the end comes, what do they want? They want to be with the Lord. Well, my recommendation is if you want to be with the Lord, when this world is all said and done, you better make some preparations now. You better start planning for the future now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at verse 2. We do not know what is on the horizon. As a matter of fact, we don't, know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. And so let me encourage you, live with the presence of God every day. Use the blessings and the opportunities of this life to better your life spiritually, to better the lives of others. And in so doing, God will be pleased with you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fasten shore while the billows roll. Fasten to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.